Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss a totally radical DNS hijacking attack. Helix what? Hacker group exposes Iranian APT operations and members. And when it comes to television, err on the side of caution. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 11, recorded on April 22nd, 2019. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. Here comes the pun LaBelle. With me, co-host Emily. I'm just Shakespeare, hacker. And last but not least, Tim, goldfish, helming. Henceforth it beats Curtain Knob. Oh my gosh, this is true. I think Curtain Knob is the highest of compliments. I think, personally. Um, to be clear, Tim was enjoying himself some goldfish snack prior to uh, this podcast. Tiny, tasty snack crackers. He looked into their eyes before they met their end. This podcast is not sponsored by Pepperidge Farm, by the way. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm I was just free shilling for them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we've got a great show for you today. We've got three great articles we're going to be discussing. And the first one is a, a turdly radical DNS hijacking attack. Um, <laughs> it's turdly Just, radical. It's turdly awesome. That was good. Thank you. The folks over at Cisco Talos wrote a phenomenal blog post uh, talking about the technical details of a state-sponsored attack manipulating DNS systems, and they dubbed it Sea Turtle, hence turdly awesome, turdly radical. Um, so that's what we're going to be walking through f- off the bat. So um, Helming, comma, Timothy, I'm going to come to you first here. Um, can you provide some initial context on this write-up, uh, why, yes, LaBelle, comma, Kelsey. <laughs> I'd be happy to do that. So this is a larger scale version of the type of attack we talked about a few weeks ago, the so-called DNS espionage attack that was targeting Venezuela. Um, and as we'll see in just a second, the attackers here are manipulating DNS so as to point victims to attacker-controlled infrastructure instead of where they think they're going to. Um, and... As far as who these actors are, as is so often the case, Talos is rightly not attributing the campaign to a specific nation state or other organization. They speculate, and I think they're right about this, um, that it's a well-resourced group of the type that's unlikely, though not impossible, to be outside of the nation state level. So it probably is nation state, but they're not pointing any fingers at a particular one. Unlike the DNS manipulation that was pointing IPs somewhere else. Room for laughter. Please clap. Clapter. Clapter. That's a new um, Shakespearean word. Wow. Clapter. Well, if Shakespeare said it, I bite my thumb at you. That's something Shakespeare would say, too. It, most likely. So, Tim, what is DNS hijacking? Is this a common attack type? DNS hijacking means changing the DNS records for a domain so that it's pointing at an IP that you control as the hijacker rather than the legit IP address. Um, it's not an especially common attack type, but there are some reasons to become concerned that this could become more so. Um, it may or may not be a coincidence that this happens soon after the DNS espionage attacks. They are not considered to be related right now, uh, except in the sort of general theme of how they're working. But 
clearly there are actor groups that are putting a lot of attention on DNS right now. Yeah, that's really curious, and that's probably a good opportunity to, to talk about who was actually impacted by this particular attack, because I know this one certainly garnered more attention, even more than the DNSpionage blog that was written back in November. Yeah, and I think the reason for that is there's a larger set of victims of this attack. Um, it was a, uh, a variety of countries, mostly in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, and within those countries, the organizations that were being targeted were things like foreign affairs, their military, their uh, intelligence agencies, etc. So pretty serious um, parts of those countries' uh, infrastructure was being um, targeted. And uh, the other aspect of uh, the targeting was part of staging the attack to really get at the real victims. What I mean by that is that um, companies like telecoms companies were also targeted as part of setting up the, um, uh, the attack itself against those countries. So how long do they think that this campaign has been active? Talos is saying they, they see plenty of evidence that this has been going on for over two years. Um, they don't say how much more than two years, um, but it's, it's been going on for a while and it was running under the radar clearly for quite a while. So there, it sounds like this, again, they're not willing to attribute it to any certain nation actor, but I'm curious if there are any TTPs associated with this campaign that maybe seemed more unique. As you mentioned earlier, DNS hijacking isn't exactly your run-of-the-mill threat attack, cyber attack. Um, so I'm curious what types of techniques they were using that might have set it apart. Yeah, so, and this is where this starts to tie into things that uh, every day, you know, all security practitioners and even individuals should be thinking about because um, in order to change the DNS records for a domain, if it's not a domain that you own, you have to be able to get into the, essentially the, the control panel where you set the DNS records for that. And that is typically supplied by the domain's registrar. Um, and so if you are able to get the credentials for the registrar for a particular domain, then you can get to that control panel and you can edit the DNS settings for it, and now you're in control. So how do you get those credentials? Well, the old-fashioned way, they're phishing them. Is It looks like that's a big part of what they're doing in this particular attack. So if you are able to steal somebody's registrar credentials, you can point whatever domains they own under that account to any IP address that you want to. And if you're an attacker, you point it at servers that you control, and then you're able to do more nefarious things from there. Um, and it looks like what they were doing in this case was largely credential harvesting. So if you're trying to compromise military or intel or foreign affairs type operations um, in a, of a victim country, and you're able to get inside um, credentials of people that have high privileges within those organizations, then you can do quite a bit of damage. And that appears to have been the aim of this campaign. So there were there was kind of a chain of things that happened. First, you steal the uh, registrar credentials, probably by phishing. Then uh, you point the domain at your infrastructure, and then you create a login page where you harvest more credentials, in this case, for probably whatever agencies they were spoofing. And then once you've done that, who knows what their ultimate aim was. We don't know. We know what the 
DNS hijacking was, but we don't know what the, the attackers are ultimately trying to do with the credentials that they most likely have stolen. Absolutely. That's a phenomenal um, summary there, Tim. And something I thought was really interesting about this particular piece, or this attack, I should say, is that it's the first publicly confirmed case against an organization that manages a root server zone. Um, Emily, I'm curious if you have any particular thoughts on this attack. Yeah, um, my, my main thought when I read this and the takeaway was that um, you absolutely hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that this is the first time that it's been publicly confirmed that a threat actor was able to compromise a company um, that manages a root server. And so the group here is, my takeaway was that the group here is clearly very sophisticated. Um, it'll be interesting to watch this campaign maybe unfold a little bit more as we learn more about the threat actor. Um, I'll be very interested to see, A, you know, what their end goal was, if that's something we can ever learn, and B, I personally would be interested to see who's behind this because that level of sophistication is something that up to this point in this type of attack we haven't seen. So it's just always kind of fun and interesting to see a new um, attack vector coming. Plus, we all learned in Finding Nemo that the sea turtles were so chill. We thought they yeah. were so nice, you know. <laughs> like, seemed dude. like So don't trust anybody is kind of the, the <laughs> trust message no one, here. Trust no one. This took a very dark right. turn, unlike our normal uplifting segments. Um, <laughs> well, I think that leads pretty well into the hoodie rating. Um, so I'm curious because I think the way that this blog was written, it felt pretty clear that Talos had a pretty big caution sticker on this particular attack, especially if this becomes the new normal. Um, I'm curious what both of you think in terms of ratings, and I'll start with you, Emily, on this one. What would you rate this? Yeah, I actually do think this one is on the higher side of what we have um, talked about in previous podcasts. I, Considering what we know now, as far as this has been going on for two years at least, um, the threat actor is clearly very sophisticated. Um, it doesn't look like they're stopping, even though their their IOCs and stuff have been published now. So I would put this near, um, the number popping to mind is eight, but that feels, Ooh. oh, I know, oh man, I know that feels. It's too late, it's written in stone. It it's feels a little, um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for when you like. Hyperbolic. Maybe, yeah, it feels a little hyperbolic, but I, compared to the ratings we've given some other things, I think I. I have to give this something higher because I don't. I know we've given some other stories a seven that I feel like this is worse than. So, absolutely, Tim. What do you think? I'm in pretty much the same neighborhood, seven or eight. I would say um, there is speculation by Talos. Th there's an implication that maybe this is like a test run um, for targeting uh, larger targets. You know, if there's any silver lining to this. Um, I think it's that there are standard things that, uh, that you can do that can help mitigate against this kind of attack because the vector that uh, seems to have led to it was spear phishing and the uh, credential harvesting of the registrar credentials um, would have been harder to pull off for example, if the, um, own, the legitimate owners of the domains that got compromised were using two-factor authentication for their uh, domain management. So these are all things that are pretty available out there. Um, by the way, that's not to say two-factor can't be defeated. It can from time to time, but it certainly makes the job of the attacker a lot harder. So um, 
practicing good phishing hygiene, two-factor authentication and strong passwords for your uh, domain registr registration credentials are really important things that could make these kinds of uh, hijackings much harder for the attackers to pull off. That's a great point. Um, also, I think it's pretty critical that we come together after this podcast and we make a uh, like an appendix or glossary of all the times under the sea imagery is used to discuss the cybers. Because I'm hearing spear phishing, I'm hearing mm -hmm. sea turtles. You also have whaling when they're whaling? fishing for like a sea. Yeah, whale. even more specific than spear phishing. That's pretty deep, Kelsey. <laughs> what can I say? I'm so fishedicated. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Not even an attempt. Okay, well, on that note, before I make a total fool out of my puns, <laughs> let's move to the next article. Helix what? Speaking uh, of puns. <laughs> speaking of puns. Hacker Group exposes Iranian APT operations and members. Um, and this was really interesting. Um, Emily, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this, but just to uh, synthesize the article, it sounds like hackers have revealed details about the inner workings of a cyber espionage group known as Oil Rig, APT-34 and Helix Kitten, um, hence the title, and it's linked to the Iranian government. The hackers used a telegram channel to dump information about APT-34's infrastructure, hacking tools, and victims, so sort of a, a reverse hack-hack-back type situation that we have here. Um, so Haxor, <laughs> a.k.a. Hacker, comma, Emily, <laughs> what are some theories behind this leak? Um, well, so the guy that leaked, or the group that leaked the information is going by Lab Duke Tegan. And now, let's just pause for a moment, because why do I always get the really weird terms that I don't know how to pronounce? This is like the third podcast It's episode. a goal of mine. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yes! Finally, we get Finally. to talk about some conspiracies. <laughs> the real conspiracy was against me the whole time. <laughs> Anyway, so Lab Duke Tegan, or whatever, leaked all this information um, via a Telegram channel. And I've seen some people theorizing that the group or individual, Mr. Duke Tegan himself... Um, Made up his name. Yeah, it's <laughs> not real. But that the um, he may be in opposition to the Iranian regime. He might be a former member of ABT-34 that had access to these tools. Um, and he may be trying to um, make... APT-34 have to kind of pause operations mm -hmm. while they completely retool um, since he burned their infrastructure. So there's a few theories behind that. Um, I don't know that it's been confirmed yet who he or she or they are uh, or why they're doing it, but people are certainly throwing thoughts around. Uh, were, were there any statements made by this group or any of their intentions revealed, if yeah. you will? So at one point, he did release a statement, and he, Mr. Duke Tegan, I don't know why I keep calling him Mr. Duke Tegan, <laughs> uh, lab Duke Tegan guy, he said, um, we are exposing the, here the cyber tools, AP234 slash Ulrich, that the ruthless Iranian Ministry of Intelligence has been using against Iran's neighboring countries, including names of the cruel managers, and information about the activities and the goals of these cyber attacks. We hope that other Iranian citizens will act for exposing this regime's real ugly face. So, um, that you were really in character there. Thanks. I what the people can't see is that I was doing interpretive dance to everything that Emily was just describing. It was here. beautiful. We'll have to do a video podcast sometime. Yeah, yes. we need to take a moment actually so I can gather my breath. We need you Emily took it back. Away. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought you had to get back in Emily, oh, okay. Emily's zone. 
We're having a moment here. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the moment has passed. Let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, yeah, I don't know. I got really into character for that because it was beautiful. I just wanted to to exp- like. I he's so angry. I feel like I don't know if anyone else gets that. Almost Shakespearean. Quite. <laughs> I also think. Did anyone else read that and get the sense that he was Iranian? Since he says, we hope the other Iranian citizens will act. There seemed to be an implication that, um, and I think I read as well, that it might be someone from the, the country as well. I almost said organization. So, so that's, you're saying yes, basically. Yes. <laughs> A very long yes. <laughs> yes. Confidence. Or, or false flag. I mean, true, true. that's conceivable, but... Inconceivable. Yeah, you missed that, that was opportunity. Pretty together. <laughs> yeah, we, we Princess Bread. Inconceivable. <laughs> together we weren't there. So wait, so what did they leak then? They leaked a bunch of stuff. Um, some of the information they leaked included the APT thirty four infrastructure, uh, tools, members, and victims. Um, they also leaked the names and phone numbers of some people that worked for the Iranian Ministry of Intelligence which is classified information. So they were able to get that information somehow and leak it. They had, they, they pretty much like straight up docs these people, pictures, names, email addresses. Um, <laughs> they also had some details that were pretty specific to APT 34 itself, including um, tools and infrastructure. Um, they released code for actually six tools that have been used in previous operations by APT 34. I don't know why I can't say that. APT-34, APT-34, <laughs> APT-34. It's like, say it so many times fast. Um, including Poison Frog, Glimpse, uh, Hypershell, High Shell, Fox Panel, Web Mask. So a lot of the tools that this group has been using, and by leaking them, they kind of have done a couple of things. And one of the things they've done is make it potentially possible for, um, I guess, copycat or just to use these tools, but it also kind of means that AP34 might have to stop and retool completely, so. Give them some pause, sounds like. Um, And it sounds like there are quite a few victims there in their wake. Yeah, Um, definitely. So I'm sure that they have more victims than this, but Tegan published um, details about several victims that have been targeted by APT34 in the past. most of the ones that they had leaked information about were government agencies and companies that are from the Middle East, um, but I don't think that that was a full list of victims, in my opinion, just hmm. based on... That's curious. It's almost as if, to your point, if they are themselves Iranian, it seems to be uh, influencing what they're releasing yeah. as well, which is intriguing. Um, Tim, I know you had a chance to read this as well. Did anything jump out at you or any takeaways? I think the thing that really stands out to me the most is how much more naturally Emily was saying the name of that uh, leaker by the end of the uh, discussion. Once I really really got into character to read his statement, it was like you You inhabited. Yes, and I knew I would say it. (laughs) I think, you know, we're going to see more and more kind of sabotage of APT groups over the years. Uh, We haven't seen a ton of it, um, but I think we're going to see it happen more because these folks obviously are not all um, in uh, aligned in what their aims are. There are going to be just like legitimate organizations have uh, the malicious insider concept. 
there's no reason why something like an APT group couldn't have the same thing happen. So that is a pretty reasonable theory uh, as to who this leaker was and why this occurred. So I just, I think we're going to see more of this as time goes by. And in some ways, that'll be a good thing, right? Like if APT groups get um, either taken down or at least compromised and slowed down, um, that's good for the rest of us. It will be good in that sense, potentially, but it'll also be bad in that people that weren't previously uh, well-funded or smart enough to develop these tools on their own may now have access to them and be able to use these more sophisticated mm -hmm. tools for their own benefit, yep. even if they would not previously have been able to do so. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Um, and I'm curious, too, again, we're, we find ourselves in a situation where we're not in a classic hoodie rating scenario. Um, mm -hmm. So let's approach this then from basically APT34's perspective and how bad this is for them in terms of hoodies. So we'll still be dealing in positive hoodies, but uh, from their perspective. Tim, I'm going to start with you. How many hoodies would you consider here? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're APT 34, this is like nine. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's nine and a half. I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty big deal for them, which is not to say that they're not going to, you know, kind of recover and, and keep doing bad things. They probably are. But it doesn't get a whole lot worse than this from their standpoint than, than this event. What do you think, Emily? Yeah, I agree, especially since they are not only leaking their tools, but they're also leaking members of the group, um, victims and literally everything. I think that from APT34's perspective, this is pretty much about as bad as it gets. Um, I actually can't think of a scenario that would be worse short of like physical harm coming right. to their people. And as you're pointing out, it's it's possible that that's it actually going right. to get rolled in with this. So yeah. so yeah, sorry, I didn't actually give a number, but I agree probably from APT 34's perspective, this would be about a nine. Or Poor DNS hijacking. Always the bridesmaid. Never the bride. I don't know why I said that so dramatically. <laughs> but I liked it. She's back in character. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. And we'll, we'll just keep an eye on that story. I'll be curious again to see how that unravels. Um, similar to the DNS hijacking, perhaps we'll get more insight into that particular lab's... Um, Duke Tegan? Yes. Thank you. Now that I've become one, I think, with Lab Duke Tegan, yes. I can say... I see them in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just your own reflection, Kelsey. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll just have to keep an eye out for their intention there. So we'll move on to our last article. Hopefully we'll provide some levity here. Um, and some folks on Twitter, I think, had some fun. People always have fun on Twitter. Um, there can be good, good things on there every <laughs> once in a while. Um, and so this particular article I've named, when it comes to television, err on the side of caution. Um, A-I-R. <laughs> if you're not reading along in the blog. So basically, according to um, an article, the Weather Channel stopped its live broadcasting due to a security incident that lasted for at least 90 minutes and it appears they were a victim of a malicious software attack on the network. <laughs> and I'm going to turn this over to Helminski, the magnificent. Wow. You have all gotten very creative with your names today. Respect. <laughs> so what do we know about this debacle, and what caused this downtime or cyber attack? Well, oh. I was going to say it was a cyber attack. <laughs> That's all the information you get from us. 
Well, Locked here's the down. thing. The folks at the Weather Channel were not particularly forthcoming with details about how this occurred, and that might be because they don't know. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Doesn't that doesn't change how they predict the weather. No, that's true. It, uh, <laughs> but Sorry. it changed their ability to predict the weather because while they should have been predicting the weather, in fact, what they were doing was uh, airing reruns of Heavy Rescue, which I'm just going to say <laughs> as an aside, like, is this a feature or a bug? Show. Like, yeah. like, are we sure that's a bad thing? I mean, that's but like amazing. Heavy Rescue, I feel like it's kind of ironic too because they were like, they I think needed screaming to be for help. Rescue. <laughs> Somebody rescue us. And then help. they misunderstood and they're like, oh, you want you want us to play? Okay, we'll play that. I think that's what happened. Classic miscommunication. Like yes. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that was an inside job, too. An inside job. Inside we may job. never find out. John at Finance right. had enough. <laughs> I did like there was a funny tweet that said, you should have hosted the Weather Channel on the cloud. And that tickled me. I liked that's that. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. This reminds me of uh, the, one of the most famous uh, broadcast hijackings was way back in 1987 when there were a couple different channels in Chicago that got their live broadcasts interrupted by somebody doing a really good impression of Max Headroom, the computer-generated <laughs> personality who was kind of all the rage back in the late 80s. And... Uh, so I, you know, I kind of wish whoever did this. I don't know if they were familiar. With, they probably hadn't even been born when that one happened. But I just think a little bit of Max Headroom on the Weather Channel would have been kind of ideal during this time. But they really missed an opportunity. I know. Yeah. So it was just heavy rescue. But anyway, <laughs> that's what happened. So if I mean, you were relying fair, on a forecast during that particular ninety-minute window, um, then the hoodie rating would be high. Uh, I was going to say, to be yeah. fair, since the Weather Channel aired um, Heavy Rescue, we don't know. Maybe the threat actor was trying to air something related to this Max Headroom, which I don't know what that is because that did happen before I was born. But, um, you know, maybe the Weather Channel shut that down and aired their Heavy Rescue instead. So you can hold out hope that maybe some Max well, Headroom was happening. Well, actually, what I would want to look at if I'm the Weather Channel is what happened to the ratings during that period of time. <laughs> if they went up, like, that's maybe a they sad went up. Place. That would be sad. Sad place right. to be. I just realized I missed a huge opportunity to call this weather or not. Oh, you did. Oh, wow. But you can fix that in post. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a funny one to give. This is going to make the other two ratings seem even higher because um, they already are, are high pressure yeah. systems, if you I will. mean, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> just going to let that hang there. <laughs> Let me thought. Let this thing, uh, this thought per- precipitate. <laughs> Before you my say mind's it out loud next time, <laughs> my mind's a little clouded. Oh, all right. Here, Storm and Norman. Okay, so Tim, what are you gonna rate this ninety-minute hackathon that resulted in some pretty phenomenal television? Yeah, I got you know. That as wasn't far a as, biased interest. As far by the as way. the hoodie ratings <laughs> go in our conventional scale, this is like twenty milli hoodies. Like, <laughs> who cares? Right. Or maybe it's even negative. Like, I, I, again, I'm gonna sort like of. It's a good thing. I'm just gonna take the position here that maybe this was, maybe this was actually an improvement. Give the people I don't what they know. Want. You know, it sounds like I'm just to- totally torching the Weather Channel here. And actually, <laughs> I think the Weather Channel is great. I but, but look, this is. This is kind of funny. It's um, hopefully it is though a wake up call to them that they need to 
pay better attention to their uh, their security, whatever it was that wound up uh, um, leading to this attack. So in all serious, like for television viewers, it was 20 millihoodies or less. For if you work at the Weather Channel, this is like eight hoodies mm -hmm. because uh, at least that much because if you lose control over the network that you are and the content that you are putting out on the air, like it doesn't get a whole lot worse than that. Just like kind of what we were talking about in the last story from the standpoint of the Weather Channel. I agree that from the Weather Channel's perspective, this was a pretty bad incident. Um, and if I worked, if I did security for the Weather Channel, this would be, you know, at the higher end of the hoodie scale. But from a, um, like societal impact pop standpoint is pretty low. I do think it's interesting, you know, like what what is the implication here? Like what other channels could they take off the air if mm -hmm. there was some kind of like I w when you were talking about disasters, I was thinking like last time I went through a natural disaster was Hurricane Harvey and like I was watching the news. I don't think it was you relied on that. Channel, yeah. But I really did rely on that to see um the weather, to see where the hurricane was, to see like where the flooding was, <laughs> spoiler alert, it was everywhere. But like, um, if if some if somehow someone had taken off like all of the channels or even one of the main channels that was mm -hmm. reporting on Hurricane Harvey, like that would have been pretty bad. So from that perspective, I could see it being like bad. I think somebody did hijack C-SPAN and replace it with professional wrestling like interview commentary. Potato, potato. Yeah. <laughs> Again, added value. Added value. It's true. If you're gonna if you're gonna replace programming, just always go up. And that good advice. Can advice. Like Should we end this episode on a high note? <laughs> so uh, I didn't actually. How many hoodies? Um, mm, this one's so hard. I'm nailing you down to this one. I'm gonna go four. <laughs> I don't four. Know. Four hoodies. Because I think that averages out the. Even if you're the Weather Channel, it's only I'm four averaging. for them? I'm no, no. Oh, averaging out the yeah. impact to society and the impact to Weather Channel. Yep. Got it. Yes. Well, that is all we have for today. I want to give everyone a heads up. We will be off next week, but you can catch us again on May 8th. So we look forward to seeing you again, and uh, stay safe out there. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at blog.domaintools.com. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.